Welcome to the CSL Olympia podcast. In this episode, you will hear an opening prayer, followed by a talk. You can learn more about us at our website, cslolympia.org. Blessings. I'm using my outdoor voice. Oh, I guess I don't have to. Wow. I'm not sweaty. I'm not nervous. I would like to point out this fabulous altar. This, this was created by Adrian and Kathy and the youth of our community. It, I've just been gazing and enjoying. It's just fabulous. Thank you for that. So good morning to you all. Happy Mother's Day. I, um, you know, did the same thing that David has this happen all the time. You write your talk, and then it's all ready last night, and then this morning, 7 o'clock this morning, new stuff came in. So I'll be, I may be stumbling a bit over some of this new stuff, but y'all won't know. It's like an artist. You don't know that, um, that it's not just the way the artist wanted it, because it's done. And anyway, so... Hello, Zoom friends. I am so glad you joined us today. Um, wherever you're at, banqueting with your Mother's Day friends and stuff, or here, banqueting with us spiritually. Um, let's see. As most of you know, I am in ministerial school, as Terry said. I'm hopefully learning to be a wise and collaborative leader, spiritual leader, as in our rapidly changing world, we are facilitators of learning and growing together. This means we're teaching all the time, all of us together. So in that spirit of learning and growing together, today I'm going to offer some reflections on life, drawing a bit from that lesson we had last week on congruence, how our outer reflects our inner, and vice versa, and how we might overcome the fear of that shadow within I call this talk, Love Your Mother, and, you know, see the little earth up there. I had that bumper sticker on my car, Love Your Mother Earth. What this means to me and why am I bringing this up now is because it's Mother's Day, and I have the microphone, and, <laughs> and because I think it's time to begin to explore this topic of Mother Earth as it relates to us together. So hold on to your seats. It might not all be unicorns and rainbows. So we say we are all one, but do we remember that we are all one with the earth? The feminine label of Mother Earth springs from all the richness and beauty brought forth by the earth, food to feed us, water to drink, air we breathe, and the incredible diversity of beloved beings we share this planet with. It's easy to see why ancient peoples imagined our planet as a nurturing mother figure. You know, she called, they called her Gaia, a lot of the Gaia as Mother Earth. Our country, our civilization grew, grew because there was this plenty, plenty of resources to not just sustain us, but to enable the human race to, by and large, thrive. I think humankind lost sight of something in that race to grow. 
And now Mother Earth is challenged to provide us that nurture. So I invite you to imagine for a moment what our world would be like if civilizations throughout human history had continuously prioritized the health and sanctity of the earth over and above progress. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, said, true imagination is not fanciful dreaming. It is fire from heaven. Our imaginations have amazing power, especially when we put our intentions behind them. So it's a God thing. When we can reach into the possibilities and just conceive of something new, allow something new, so in that, let that moment of what might be like to dwell somewhere inside you, that, that imagination place, let it dwell in you, just as a possibility, while I continue. Sometimes I make up words and names, you guys know this, and I might call this utopiizing. <laughs> the fantasy of the perfect. But let's let that dwell. Let's not say that can't be. Let's just let it dwell. And um, we have to start where we are. So you know we can't keep pretending that this beautiful world isn't changing. The ice caps are disappearing. The sea level is rising. It's erratic weather, forest fires, and lots more. You know it's really hard to think about. It's difficult to deny the man's race to progress has had some effect. And the big picture can be scary. And the big picture is big and out there, and on most days barely touches us, or at least me, at all. I can get stuck in some of the rhetoric thinking, it's not my fault that the climate's changing when I consider my small contributions to global warming or my family's historical part. My family, I come from um, the people who took the white pines out of the Midwest and lumber. So historically, I'm, I have... I won't say I have shame, but I have experienced embarrassment or shame or guilt. It's not like that's the only thing that's been happening. Anyway, see, I digressed, and now I have to come back. So, yes, I could dissolve in shame and grief, or I can simply, I can not dwell there. And whose fault it is, and if anyone's at fault, and again, the wrong focus. This blame thing is not what I'm here to talk about. I know that if my subconscious mind is filled with negativity about the past or the unknown in front of me, I am bound to manifest that negativity in my thoughts and fears, in my experience. So think of it this way. If I'm looking in front of me and I see a huge shadow, well, fear of that shadow can keep me immobile. If I can turn, on the other hand, and look to see what's casting that shadow, I may discover that maybe it's not so big, that thing. Maybe it's something I can manage. I can shift my attention and approach the shadow from a place of curiosity, reverence, and mystery instead of from fear of evil or the ominous cue, the bad music, shark music. Boom, 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 boom. So, what if, just what if, the thing casting the shadow has something to teach me or us? Does that make sense? Yeah. 
If I want to shift my focus, my consciousness, when I am faced with awfulness, I have to look at it, not go around it, hide from it, or succumb to the pain. According to science of mind principles, our thoughts shape our reality. What we focus on manifests, and what we resist persists. If you don't understand what I'm saying, see me, see a practitioner, take a class, because this is meat. It's up to us to gain awareness of these inner dynamics that may sabotage our good and work to change them. Ernest Holmes says, change your thinking, change your life. So how do we do that? Well, here's a suggestion. Start with getting support. Don't try to do it alone. Most of us won't do it if we don't have somebody nudging us anyway. So last summer, I chose to take a real look at the future of life on this beautiful planet in a class called Speaking Earth. We studied, read articles, and looked at films of pretty disturbing images of our ecosystem. And we learned about Earth-based philosophies like eco-spirituality, terra-psychology, and folklore, just as some of the ways folks are exploring our relationship to Mother Earth in a new way. My intention was to do this deep dive in community, my class, so I had support to return again and again to spiritual principles when I was in my feelings. During the class, I worked to stay out of self-judgment and consciously embrace the practice of gratitude for all the good in my life today. I did acknowledge the feelings of grief, shame, blame again in my life for a while, and then I prayed. I did not pray as a supplication, oh God, help me, because that's not how it works. I did pray, spirit within, help me see this differently. How can I help my world? How can I help my community? And what followed for me last summer was a clear demonstration of my intention to move through the pain and find newness and good. I looked at was casting, what was casting the shadow in front of me or inside me, and I invited a new perspective, and I gained a sense of hope. We know that what we believe, what we feel, brings more of that energetically into our lives. So in this hopeful state, believing that good will happen, I chose to forgive my ancestors for living the way they lived, and I activated my curiosity based firmly in this optimistic mindset. I was then led to books, films, webinars, conversations, and I began to see that there are many people making a difference in the world in big and small ways. I learned about impact investing. I learned, well, we know about recycling. I learned about reforestation. I, um, I want to give credit to people for walking to work or riding their bicycle to work. You know, there's a lot of ways that we are already living as though what we do matters down the road. Some are putting private, I love this, putting private power generating plants on their roofs. That's a solar, solar array, a private power generating plant. I'm so excited, we're doing that. Some people are building and living in tiny homes. And um, you know, some people are just reducing their use of non-renewables. 
After a conversation on this topic with a friend recently, she called me to brag that she had bought bamboo straws to replace the disposable ones she'd been using. So small things count, you know. I have also come in recent months to realize something profound. You know, this property, this building, these trees, these fields, became a part of our lives two years ago. And even as the purchase was secured, the plans developed, and the construction started, I was feeling a sense of rightness, of destiny unfolding. Again, cue the music. I was sensing the beginning of a divine work to which we are all a part. British comedian Russell Brand said this, and I really wish I could do his accent, but I'm not going to try. You know that sense that perhaps we are being guided, that sense that the same way our fingerprints are unique, there is some other code, some less easily ascertainable code that is trying to realize itself, the same way an acorn will grow into an oak tree, the same way there is some knowledge within each seed, within each cell, that it must realize itself. Let this is an, in a nutshell, sorry, was what I felt, that we here are in an, the acorn stage, planted now and growing, specifically here for a reason. Let me reiterate the we, because I felt it was happening because of us. I was very clear there's no luck involved. I've said this before. This was not a miracle, but a firm demonstration of the law at work. We have been praying for a physical manifestation of our new home for quite some time, and whatever the reason, now it happened. The opportunity appeared, and we leapt. We, both the Libby Road Partners and CSL Olympia, committed to a partnership on this lovely property with land to enjoy and a building which we could grow into and could grow with us. Our future was full of promise. However... Partway into our permitting, planning, and co-creating process, we got a surprise. And this was a big and unwelcome surprise to the owners, and especially the center. It turns out this property, and many of you know this, but this property is located within a wetlands buffer, which means that in order to protect our water table, Mother Earth, we cannot introduce any more impervious surface, neither building nor pavement. This means, bluntly, we are not permitted to make our parking lot bigger, which people keep saying, why don't you, or increase the building's footprint. So this is what is. This place cannot accommodate a large congregation all at one time with our parking limits and space limits. We have only two classrooms and a rapidly growing youth population. How do we find space for this essential aspect of our ministry to the world? This is what I call a God doing for us, what we are not doing for ourselves kind of thing. It appears that the old way of experiencing church growth, and I'm sorry if that C word is uncomfortable to some of you, but the old way of experiencing that isn't really an option for us anymore. So what does growth look like with these limitations? And even more than growth, what does our ministry look like? So I ask God, why this? Why now? And what is this actually? And this image came to me, another metaphor, water flowing into a bucket. The bucket is a limitation on how much water will fit. Will fit. But if you keep pouring water, 
it will overflow onto the ground. If we fill up our building and overflow, what will that look like? How would this feel if the idea is that we are water, our philosophy is water, offering a new way to live? Don't we want it to overflow out and all over? So are these truly in limitations, or are we just perceiving the bucket? I'm just asking. It's not the shape of the container that's important, but what overflows from the bottomless resources of spirit into the world. We are the love of God in the world. We have something that the world needs. Do you believe that? We should not forget that if fear is contagious, faith is doubly so. How wonderful it is to realize that we can so influence our community, our world, that everyone who steps into it will be benefited. And if this is what we are authentically and consciously doing, the very stars in their courses will conspire to aid us. You know, that's a direct quote from, I think, Ernest Holmes. Remember, the law is listening. So what is ours to do here now? And how do we get started as individuals? Let's unpack our spiritual toolbox to see what we could use. We can begin with what Reverend David regularly urges us to do. You know what that is? Just notice. Where are we? Where are you? What's going on for you? You know, just notice. No judgments. Just notice. From there, we can use affirmative prayer treatment. Or, if we are uncomfortable with that, ask for prayer support if we can't figure out what the right words are, because there's always, you know, there's right words. Ask for prayer support. We can work with a practitioner to learn more about ourselves as conscious human beings in today's changing world. We can take a class like the upcoming online Introduction to Forgiving the Shadow or the Grief Recovery Workshop that's going on group. It's a group that'll be happening this summer. There's also a Spiritual Principles and Practices class that's going to be next Saturday and the next Saturday after that, five hours each. But see me if you're interested in the beginner course, or if you just want to chat with others. We can get together and talk like, talk and learn with like-minded people, both within and without our community. We have choices. We can embrace change with the understanding that it may be scary, that unknown, but we are not alone. The reality is that there's not much we can do to affect the big environmental changes ahead. And it isn't so much how we can, excuse me, how can we as in members of this sacred community change our life and habits. It is what is uniquely ours to do as religious scientists. What is unique to our philosophy? What can we do? So here's my invitation. Let's do this work together. Feeling our feelings in community. Let's be vulnerable with each other. And know that if we intend it, we are in alignment with that big yes, we do love our mother. And in loving our mother, we love ourselves, our community, and the world. Thich Nhat Hanh, favorite Thich Nhat Hanh, said, Buddhists believe that the reality of the interconnectedness of human beings, society, and nature will reveal itself more and more to us 
as we gradually cease to be possessed by anxiety, fear, and the dispersion of the word. So circling back to that divine plan, which I referred to earlier, let me clarify. I actually know that since I am one of spirit, this plan didn't emanate from out there, up in heaven, or wherever. It's more like a nudge from what I know to be true goodness that is everyone's nature. This is about what is ours to co-create here at CSL Olympia on this land. What is spirit's highest and best idea for the Center for Spiritual Living on Livy Road? I wonder what your thoughts might be for our future center. What seeds are we planting? Let's not get trapped by the how of this question. If we as conscious, intentional members of our community can envision a new future, we know the law will make it so. That's how we got here. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes right now to sit quietly and ask spirit, source, whoever you want it to be, Mother Gaia, the universe, what's yours to do? Just go within for a minute. I'll say one minute. Small voice rising from within. Thank that voice. And thank you. I'm not done yet. (laughs) It was Ernest Holmes' wish and intention that the teachings of the Centers for Spiritual Living be open at the top. Have you heard that? That means he's not the last word. He was kind of, he was not even the first word. He was just the word that sort of consolidated a bunch of words, a bunch of ideas. So globally, spiritual communities, do you know this, are reinventing themselves in an effort to stay relevant to our younger generations. The old way of church is, again, it's going away. We're we're enjoying having children in our services. We're enjoying that energy in a way that our parents and their parents would not have tolerated. All right, where did I go? We're trying to become something new. The world desperately needs new. The old way, well, you know, we got the results of that. So how can we apply new thought to midwife our human society as we adjust to the changes to this planet, our beloved mother? We can't stop it. It's intention, my intention that we can together reimagine what we are here to do in the months and years ahead. That means coming and participating in conversations together. Keeping in mind that image, perhaps, of the water flowing out of the bucket and onto the ground, into the air, whatever that is. The truth is that we really have very little effect on the wide world in our day-to-day activities, although we do have an effect on the energy field, on the global consciousness. We do have an effect on the soul of it all. Love is all there is. I know I have made a difference in the world when I rely on love. And you know our mission, purpose, and vision. Our vision, living as love in a world of love. I think that's, you know, bedrock for each of us. 
How do we live as love in a world of love? So I have two affirmations for you today. I thought I gave them to you. No? Okay. Join me. Please repeat after me. I am a conscious steward of myself in a wise and loving way. I am a member of a global family. I commit to doing my part in protecting our Mother Earth and all life upon her. Mother Earth and all life upon her. Thank you. I will close with this from this thing called you. You belong to the universe in which you live. You are one with the creative genius back of this vast array of ceaseless motion, this original flow of life. You are as much a part of this as the sun, the earth, and the air. There is something in you telling you this, like a voice echoing from some mountaintop of inward vision, like a light whose origin no man has seen, like an impulse welling up from an invisible source. Thank you, my friends. Mother, Father, Spirit, Source, we all come from that same deep, deep well of isness. And so we are all one. Mother Earth, Jupiter, Alpha Centauri, frogs. We're all one. We're all one. Made of the same stardust, the same consciousness, the same amazing love. Because if there is love anywhere in the universe, there is love everywhere in the universe. I am so grateful to know that. I am so grateful to hold the hands and feel the connection with that source in this room, in this awareness of there's more for us to be and do. We aren't stopping. We're overflowing. So let us together overflow in love, in joy, in grace, in song. And so it is. And so it is.